Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Live from the Toolkit Depot studio, Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. For Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival. A grand utility vehicle. Don't change me Don't change yes, a very good evening, everyone. Uh, the test match day one is done and dusted and not really unexpected in some ways. Australia won the toss, elected to bat, and they've just gone shy of 300 in a day's play. They've ended up at two for 293 against the West Indies. The only real... Uh, early breakthrough of Dave Warner was the only real special moment for the visiting Caribbean cricketers. Dave Warner went for five, but then it was Usman Khawaji made 65. Manus, Manus Labuschagne is 154 not out. He's hit 16 fours and one six. And Steve Smith is 59 not out. So a big total, and you think 500 is on the cards for Australia, and the tactics will be we'll only bat once. We'll try and take the 20 wickets for the West Indies and try and win by an innings. And that's uh, very much on the cards. In fact, uh, it's been a significant partnership with Labuschagne and Smith. When Kawaja went, the score was two for 151. So they have put on an unbeaten stand of 142. We're going to focus on the Test match. We're also going to focus on the Socceroos. They take on Denmark, 11 o'clock tonight, our time. And we'll go live to Doha and speak to Dave Davudovic, uh, respected uh, journalist and commentator who's over there in Qatar. And we'll get all the latest news regarding the Socceroos' build-up to their match against Denmark. It's going to be uh, a significant uh, result one way or the other. Either the Socceroos get through to the round of 16 for the first time since 2006 when they had that golden generation of Kale, Kuhl, and as we know, uh, Lucas Neal was the captain then. Uh, can they repeat that excitement from now 16 years ago? We'll wait and see uh, later tonight. If they go out, then there'll be uh, a reflection on what sort of campaign it was. But it certainly, I think, uh, overall has been a fair showing by the Socceroos, as long as they don't get blasted off the park tonight and they're competitive. And if they go down by the odd goal, they go down by the odd goal because Denmark certainly is ranked a lot higher than the Australian team. On the other hand, if they can pinch a draw and even a win, it'll be a significant result. So we'll come back to that in a moment. But first, of course, SEM was there in the broadcast position to call all the action on day one of the first test of the summer, Australia and the West Indies. Australia, as I mentioned, won the toss, elected to bat, highlighted by the unbeaten century by Marnus Labuschagne. And it stumps the Aussies two for 293. Here's a brief snapshot of what happened today. Waters on strike, short hooks down into the deep. Four run. 46-year-olds, there's down, he's bowled, he's played it on. Went for the expansive drive, inside edge, lost the leg stump. And it is a leap of excitement from Jaden Seals. 
as he claims his first wicket on Australian soil. Roach bowls and Kawaja drives back past Roach. It's a lovely straight stroke. Seals in from the Justin Langer stand-in. Bowls and Labashane runs the ball through the cordon. It's a stopped cordon. He got it to ground. It races down for four. Quick outfield. Chase bowls Labashane dancing and driving and beating oh. mid off. That's a lovely shot right out the middle of the bat. Chase bowls using his feet. Kawaja up and over the top of mid off. Gets plenty of that. Might have gone all the way, it has. Oh. As the test match unfolds, he's bowling full, driven by Labashane through mid-on. Kawaja says, don't even bother running. This holder approaches and delivers to Labashane, who tucks again. This time there's a gap at mid-wicket. Australia moved to one for 102, and in the process, Labashane records another half-century at this ground. Bouncing away to Kawaja, too full, dug out, squeezed out in the end. Towards backward point, towards the rope, well-timed, and it'll reach the rope. Kawaja, who faces yes. up again, this time off the back foot, placing it to deep point and bringing up his half-century. The Queensland pair have been right on top since lunch. Here's Cole Mayers, away from us, with his medium pace. Two slips, bowls to Kawaja, and finds the edge straight away. Just what they needed. Not long before T. First ball back in the attack. Kyle Mayers gets it right. Kimar Roach is in from the Justin Langer end. He's bowling to Steve Smith, who swings across the line, clears square leg and goes for four. Holder is right arm over the wicket. He's bowling to Labashane, who drives through extra cover. And that will be a boundary. We're trying to do that. Labashane flays him away through cover for four. Beautiful drive. To Smith on 27 bowls here. Smith squared up through the cordon, four runs. Labashane on 99, seals on the way to him, bowls here, Labashane goes back and cuts his way to a century. It's summer and the weather's fine for Labashane, that means tons. It's Manus the machine. With Smith on strike, Roston chase to him here, right. first ball, he right. finds the gap at cover. That's so well placed. Short leg in place under the helmet, Joseph bowls, Labashane lifts him up for six. He has absolutely towered that. Down to fine leg, so knows precisely what's coming, was ready to pounce and sent it a great many rows back. Smith on 49 and he makes it a half century. A gentle square drive to deep point. 50 from 75 deliveries, Stephen Smith. Grass stains to show for it. Labashane cuts, he's placed that well through backward points. Air the dive in the deep. No to no avail. Covered in the Perth dust at the moment. Labashane faces up. He drives for his 150th run. Chanderpaul closes in the deep. Labashane comes back for a second. He picks off the next milestone. And it does feel like there's a lot in store for Manus Labashane. Not just in this Perth test, but in this Australian summer. 150 on the opening day of it. Yeah, so there you go. That was the highlights uh, called by Jared Waitley and the team for SEN. Day one of the Test Match Australia in total control. Uh, saying that, Justin Langer uh, was back home at Optus Stadium, this time in his role as commentator for the host broadcaster, the Seven Network. He strolled out, actually, onto the ground and reacquainted himself with Pat Cummings and the Australian players. He also caught up with Matthew Hayden. Of course, Hayden and Langer formed such a, an incredible opening stand and partnership for many years. Now the best of mates. Let's have a listen to what they said pre-game.
Through probably no fault of your own because it was recorded about three months ago, you landed in the middle of a bit of a storm this weekend. Uh, perception and reality, Bray. Uh, perception often sells newspapers. Reality, I mean, these are like my, like my little brothers. I love Australian cricket and I love being back and seeing the boys. I haven't seen them for nine months. As we can see here, big Hados, the, uh, the love was pretty easy to see. Yeah, well, I think, you know, perception is, as Justin just said there, very different to reality. If you've played and worn the baggy green, what you want to see is Australian cricket do particularly well. You know, so whatever that ha whatever that has to be, sometimes it has to be that you need to be a little cruel to be kind and you need the truth to come out. And that's something that I'm sure Justin did in his tenure as coach. And I'm sure as we critique the summer of cricket ahead, there'll be times where we explore things and others we don't. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Matthew Hayden, Justin Langer together. Uh, they are the best of mates and what a, a great, formidable opening partnership for many years they formed for Australia. And there was some great vision, Justin Langer on the ground, hugging uh, Pat Cummings. Uh, and it was really warm and friendly when he reacquainted himself with the players that, of course, at one stage he was in control as the coach of the Australian cricket team. So just repeating, Australia in a very, very strong position. Two for 292. That update, all thanks to Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local tyre power. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to go live to Doha in Qatar as we build up to the big one tonight. 11 o'clock, uh, it kicks off uh, our time, Australia and Denmark. So we're under five hours now. Dave Davudovic is their respected soccer writer for a number of years. He's going to chat to us next here on Sports Day. with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Don't change me Don't change could the Socceroos do something special and change the perception of them in the wider community here in Australia when they take on Denmark? Uh, give us your thoughts at the temperate bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. How do you think the Socceroos will go tonight? I must admit, I'm a bit unsure, but I was unsure against Tunisia and I was unsure how they'd go against France. But a man that is pretty close to it, thanks to Keep Up, download the app, by the way, or go to Keep Up. .com.au. I've seen a lot of social media posts by this gentleman. Of course, he's a, he's a very respected football writer. And, of course, he interviews uh, some of the, the big names in Australian football. We've known each other for a long time. And now he's up there in Doha, in Qatar. No doubt as nervous as anybody ahead of this uh, very, very important match for Australia against Denmark. Dave Davudovic, nice to chat to you. Hey, good to chat, Pete. Um, we do tend to chat every World Cup, and I do recall we had a, a chat in South Africa 2010. Uh, I, I think I'd had a few on that occasion. Uh, <laughs> a little bit better behaved on, uh, at, at this World Cup. Uh, but, uh, yeah, nonetheless, it is a big tournament, and we're uh, absolutely loving it, especially with the soccer is going so well. It's exciting, isn't it? As I said in the introduction, I wasn't sure how they'd go against France. I wasn't sure how they'd go against Tunisia. And I'm not sure how they're going to go tonight in about, what, four and a half hours' time. What's the general feeling, Dave? And you're pretty much closer to it than I am. Yeah, it's not bad timing, is it, for, for Perth? I know uh, Eastern States at that bloody awkward uh, period of, uh, of the 2 a.m. Uh, kickoff. Or it's 11 p.m. there, isn't it? Uh, the, the, That's the right, 11 p.m., yep, yep. 
Yeah, so perfect. Um, look, it's it's an interesting one. I think a lot will depend on on how Denmark comes out because you know they are they are a very good team. They made the semi-finals of the you know the European Championships last year. They've got superstar players headlined by Christian Eriksen, who. Uh, you know, had that tragic uh, event last year at the Euros where, you know, he virtually he collapsed and, and was dead, um, was luckily revived and, you know, has since come back. And, you know, he's playing some fantastic stuff for Man United. So there was some real confidence about this Danish team coming into the tournament and highly motivated off the back of what happened with Ericsson. That was a real galvanising um, moment for them. But... You know, as it stands, the Socceroos are in the box seat. They're ahead of Denmark. They're in second place. Top two go through. And uh, look, if they win, they secure their their berth to the round of 16 for the first time since 2006. If they draw, they will most likely get through. Tunisia would have to cause an upset in the other game, the simultaneous kickoff against France, uh, for them to potentially go past the Socceroos. Obviously, if it's a loss, then it's, it's curtains. So, destiny in their own hands in saying that they are coming up against a very, very, very good, strong Danish side. Interesting when you look at the Danes, of course, they really challenged France. They fell behind by two goals to one. And then they drew with Tunisia. As we know, Australia beat Tunisia. But saying that, as you said, they're a very respected outfit. And many actually pre-tournament thought they'd go pretty deep into the tournament. So the Socceroos moment of truth has arrived. I know Arnie conducted his press conference earlier today, our time. What's the general feeling? He seems pretty relaxed. He seems pretty comfortable. And I tell you what, he's displaying a lot of emotion and passion yeah he's remarkably relaxed he's really matured over the last you know 10 or 15 years since he he started coaching his first head coaching job he had the interim stint as the Socceroos boss in in 2007 when he led the team to the Asian Cup Um, but particularly over the last few years he's had a lot of you know mentors around him and and that's been pretty evident over here he's cut a remarkably relaxed figure from the get-go his reaction post uh you know, France defeat, where they did capitulate. They started off really well and lost 4-1. It probably could have been heavier in all honesty. But um, his reaction after that, and particularly after the Tunisia game when they won, and there were euphoric scenes among the fans and, and, and families in the grandstands, even amongst the journos, to be honest, Pete. Um, but he got the team in a group, in a huddle, on that pitch, and he's told all of the players, enjoy this moment, go celebrate with the fans and your families however from tomorrow uh from tomorrow um you are focusing on denmark and uh you've seen that there is a real steely focus from arnold and from the players and they know they've got a job to do today what about the lineup uh, dave of course we won't know until closer to kickoff time but what's your general feeling uh, on maybe the setup for the Socceroos tonight to try and at least get the result against the danes Yes, uh, look, I don't think there'll be too many changes. Maybe one, maximum two. Um, right back is, is probably the, the question mark. That's where they've made the one change thus far. Nathaniel Atkinson, the Tassie boy, played the first game. Um, Fran Karacic, uh, Croatian-born and bred player, um, was in there for the second game. So Milos Degenek's the one who's uh, who's come on uh, the first two games and has shown some real leadership quality. So all three of them are available, we're led to believe. But, yeah, I'd say he'll go for Degenek or, or Karacic uh, 
in uh, in that position. And the other one that's kind of up for grabs is attacking midfield. Riley McGree has started the first two games. The middles were attacking midfielder, showing great energy industry. Um, Aiden Hrustic, who's probably our yeah. star player at the moment, aside from Aaron Moy playing at the highest level. Uh, Hellas Verona over in Italy, the top tier. Um, he's a really good player. Um, came in uh, late in terms of uh, his fitness levels, so he was probably uh, no good for the first game. Came on for the last 30, 35 um, against Tunisia. Played a really important role. So, yeah, either of those will start. Whoever starts on the bench, and, you know, I suspect it could be Rustic, then he comes on and plays a really important role again in that second half, whether it's the soccer who's chasing a goal or just, you know, killing off the game, you know, hanging on to that lead or, you know, draw if, uh, if that's enough in the end. It was interesting at the press conference, actually. Arnie went uh, two ways, uh, a chance to try and promote the fact that uh, football here in this country needs more development in the sport, particularly in junior development and junior national teams. He says we need to keep investing in the game. And as we know, a lot of experts here in Australia feel that uh, the authorities really don't pump enough uh, resources into football, considering the amount of uh, people that play at various levels. And the other one was a bit of a flashback. I believe even an Iranian reporter brought up, and I was, it mm-hmm. took me back. Actually, I broadcast that game at the MCG where Australia were 2 0 up and on the verge of breaking the drought since 1974 yeah. in qualifying for the 1998 World Cup. We drew yeah. 2 all and, of course, uh, didn't get through on the away goals rule. I remember seeing Johnny Warren on that night and he was uncontrollably out of control emotionally, the fact that we let that slip. So that was brought up at the press conference as well by an Iranian <laughs> reporter. Yeah, I mean, it was a. I think it caught Arnie by surprise, caught everyone by surprise. Look, it's important context though because we've kind of forgotten how difficult it's been for the Socceroos to qualify. Um, you know, for World Cups pre 2006, there was that 32 year hiatus. I mean, I was at that game. I was a little kid. Um, you know, at the MCG back in 1997, and you know, it was those moments that really, I guess, shaped. Um, you know the importance of, of 2006, and you know we remember those uh, those unbelievable scenes. Um, you know when we beat Uruguay um, at Homebush, and um, you know then obviously over in Germany, you know Kaiserslautern beating Japan, the comeback win, and then in Stuttgart, uh, you know the two-all draw, um, and uh, you know against Croatia, and eventually qualifying. So this is a replica of that moment. John Aloisi uh, in his column for Keep Up actually labelled this the Croatia game. So it's uh, it's a chance for these guys to write their own history. Um, This team has been really heavily criticised over the journey and a lot of people didn't expect them to qualify. Graham Arnold was under pressure back in March uh, this year to keep his job. So the fact that they not just qualified for the World Cup, but in this position to potentially get out of the group and seeing some of those scenes uh, back in Australia, it's really galvanised the players. And and this is a chance for them to write their own history. On paper, you know, most people would agree it's an inferior squad to 2006, which had our golden generation, Viduka, Kewell, Cagle, Lucas Neal, Gorella, Bresciano, Aloisi, all playing in the top leagues around the world. You know, here here we are with a team of, you know, largely A-league-based players, uh, eight domestic players, and, you know, a lot of guys sort of splattered around, you know, various European and Asian leagues. But uh, here they are on the verge of, uh, 
advancing from the knockout phase for only the second time ever and the first time since 2006. And they've already created history in securing just the Socceroos' third win uh, ever in a World Cup. I know you've been there and I know you've got other things to do. So just one final question, Dave, and we appreciate your time. I know that Qatar spent something reportedly about $360 billion on the world's biggest uh, sporting event. And I actually broadcast the game last night between the Netherlands and Qatar. And Netherlands really uh, just did what they needed to do, one by two goals to nil. It was just a different class. So Qatar scored just the one goal. They secured just the one point, officially the worst result for a host nation, just the second host nation to fail to make it out of the group stage following South Africa, you mentioned earlier, in 2010. Give us your thoughts on them as a host nation. You've been there, uh, you've lived it now since the World Cup got underway. What's been the general reaction and what's your feeling basically being in Qatar, the World Cup epicentre? I think Dave may have gone, actually, uh, which is unfortunate. I thought it was a pretty good question, but that looks like he may have just left us, uh, Dave Davudovic. Uh, so we thank him very much for his time. Just repeating, uh, if you want to catch up with all Dave's stuff, that is all the social media posts, uh, he does interviews and also uh, writes uh, various uh, features with others, uh, keep up, download the app or go to keepup.com.au. So the Socceroos uh, tonight against Denmark, 11 o'clock uh, Perth time. So you just dropped off. Never mind. Uh, by the way, if Australia get through, they will play the winning side in the group that houses... Argentina, Poland, uh, the other two nations uh, in that group. But anyway, that group, Argentina, Poland, Mexico and Saudi Arabia. Those are the four. And we won't know until uh, later, probably tomorrow morning, if Australia get through, who they're likely to play in the knockout stage. But it'll be one of those four nations, the team that finishes uh, top of that group. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to come back with Wednesday's wine and also speak to one of the star players that is playing for the Perth Heat. This weekend, it is a major League Baseball show. Uh, they take on Auckland and there's five Major League Baseball players that'll be taking part in that series at Empire Park there, uh, the home of the Perth Heat. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Sports Day with Peter Vlahos on this Wednesday. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Don't change the Don't change well, of course, exciting times at Empire Ballpark. Uh, the Perth Heat up and running after, of course, uh, two years because of COVID. No Australian Baseball League season. But uh, as we know, it's up and running now, and they've certainly done well in the recruiting strikes. So, so much so that against Auckland in the, the home series coming up, uh, the, there'll be about five NBL, or should say Major League Baseball players playing on the weekend. Three with the Perth Heat and two with Auckland. And the Perth Heat have started well. They're top of their division at the moment, and they're home for the next uh, two weekends, which is uh, great to see. Now, one of those... Major League Baseball stars is actually on the line from the Perth Heat and we're having a chat now to Jordan Martinson. Jordan, thanks for your time. 
Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know we're going, uh, even though you're in Perth, we're going through your US number. So hence, uh, just the fraction delay for those people listening in. Uh, great to have you here. Um, firstly, what have been your early impressions of the land down under? Oh, it's a, it's been a great experience so far. Uh, loving the weather. Uh, I expected it to be way hotter already. Um, so definitely no complaints there. Plenty of sunshine. So I'm um, pretty, pretty settled in and enjoying my time so far. Yeah, and of course, uh, you're with the Perth Heat. And you, do you know the other two MLB players that you're uh, actually now teammates? Have you cut, come across each other's paths on your journeys? Uh, yeah, uh, so I actually played with uh, Pete Cosma this year in Kansas City back in the States, and uh, meeting Reddick for the first time was uh, also a pretty pretty cool experience. So uh, getting to know them pretty well, and we're all kind of getting settled in. So Fantastic. Uh, certainly a long way from, as we know, the Australian Baseball League to what you've come accustomed to. You were drafted, I believe, by the New York Mets in the 11th round of the 2019 draft. How do you adapt to where you've been and where you are now in relation to, you know, the type of atmosphere and the standard of baseball that you're playing? Oh, uh, you know, I think the adjustment's actually been uh, pretty smooth uh, so far. Not totally, not uh, too different. I think the, the biggest thing here is the work-life balance is really great. I mean, have a handful of off days during the week, which is kind of a rarity uh, over there and we're treated super well so I think the adjustment's been super easy to to transfer and come across the world to play what do you do in those days off as we know I think uh, in the major league baseball what you play about 160 games you're on the road all the time you're playing sometimes uh, in back-to-back days uh, you may be playing traveling and then playing the following day what do you do in the days where there's no activity here in Perth how do you adjust to that Well, I think it uh, gives us an opportunity to get some more work in and, and be smart about how we recover. So spend some time in the weight room uh, trying to get our bodies right, covering with saunas, ice baths, stuff like that. And, of course, you know, go to the beach when you can. Uh, enjoy the sunshine a little bit. So uh, it's, been, uh, it's, been, it's been good taking advantage of those off days for sure. Saying that, is it true that I think you may have just en route to Perth here in Western Australia, you spent a couple of months in Germany, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I got to go over to, to Germany and play for the national team in the uh, qualifier. Uh, I, was, I was actually only there for about three or four days. I came in at the end of that uh, little, little stint. Uh, after our season ended in Kansas City. But, yeah, I was over there in Germany with the national team for a little bit. Well, there you go. Uh, and your brother, I believe, uh, he also played uh, pro baseball for a number of years. What's he doing these days? And tell us a, bit, a little bit about him. Yeah, he's uh, he's done playing these days, but he, he played quite a long uh, minor league career, uh, stayed in AAA for quite a few years, Uh mostly with the Nationals and I think the Rangers one year and uh, mixed in a year of independent ball as well. He's just uh, working working in Dallas, uh, living in, in like the Irving, Texas area. So enjoying his time after baseball, but he's been, he's been done for a few years now. Did you cross over at all and play with the same outfit at all? 
Uh, we did not actually, unfortunately. Uh, we were we were pretty close. There was probably a year uh, in there where we could have potentially played in the same league or played together, uh, but it just ended up not lining up with uh, affiliate baseball and and uh, independent ball and stuff like that. So we didn't get to play together against each other, unfortunately. For those people that go along to Empire Ballpark uh, on the weekend, they'll see you on the mound and you'll be hurling them down uh, very close, if not on, about 100 miles an hour. Now, you're known as a pitcher and Southpaw is uh, what you're classed as in relation to pitching. Tell us about that analogy, the Southpaw component, if you can explain to the novices what that actually means. Yeah, so the Southpaw uh, aspect of it is well, you're just you're a lefty, so to the righties we throw with the wrong hand. Uh, you know we're out there slinging it from the left side, trying to get guys out, and uh, it's a little bit more rare to see a lefty up there, especially lefties that throw hard. We have a few of those in the bullpen, uh, running up there mid 90s. Not me personally, but we do have a handful of guys in the pen that throw pretty hard. So uh, yeah, good to see. But saying that, what has been the fastest pitch that's been recorded by Jordan uh, Martinson? That is, others recording when you've been on the mound. Have you got a? Uh, have they got a, a gun on it to see exactly how fast you have pitched? Uh, this year, I don't know what I've topped out at. I know in previous years, I've only been up to ninety-two or ninety-three. Not sure what that is in kilometers per hour, stuck <laughs> in the miles per hour. Era, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, 90, 92 or 93. So what do you do to make sure you protect your arm and your shoulder? Because that takes a hell of a toll. I know that in Major League Baseball outfits, uh, they have a number of pitches and they rotate it because of the heavy schedule of games. But in your case, how long can you go before you need to be rested? Um, I think it depends day to day and how much I've thrown, you know, throughout the week in games and stuff like that. I could throw three or four innings in one outing if I had to, and if give me a day or two off and I'll be ready to go again. It just kind of, kind of depends on the workload of the week, but, uh, making sure I'm properly warmed up is a big key, uh, staying, keeping my arm as hot as possible when I'm throwing. Uh, like between innings and stuff is another big key to staying healthy and making sure I recover well. We know Liam Hendricks very well. Uh, of course, he's at the White Sox now, landed a big contract a couple of years ago, and they, they class him as a closing pitcher. Uh, what's your role, uh, and what has been your role during your career? Um, so earlier in my career, I was more of a starter, so I would go out there, throw once every five days, once every six days, and throw as many innings as I could, get the pitch count up, um, and, and eat a bunch of innings. But here in the last couple of years, I've kind of settled into a role of come into trouble in the middle of the game, uh, maybe after the starter, and bridge the gap between the starter and maybe a closer-type guy like Hendricks. Uh, nice. So come in, come in for trouble and give us an inning or two and get us to that back-end guy. Before we come back to the immediate and what's happening this weekend, what is the journey for yourself, Jordan, after, of course, the ABL season is completed for yourself? Uh, yeah, the, the season this next year after the ABL uh, is over is kind of up in the air. Uh, nothing's set in stone yet for me and uh, looking to you know continue my baseball career. But 
we don't we don't know just yet. Um, so kind of weighing some options and, and seeing what happens. Well, Perth Heat lead the competition with home runs. Uh, they've uh, secured 18 so far this season. Games Friday, Saturday and Sunday uh, against Auckland. And no doubt you're looking forward to it. And what uh, is the general feeling inside the camp? Because Perth has been, if you look at uh, Heritage, one of the real strong baseball cities and states, winning the Claxton Shield numerous times. We failed a, a couple of years ago against the Melbourne Aces, uh, but got to the final. Uh, what's your general feeling inside the camp? And from what you've seen so far, could it be an exciting uh, season for the Perth Heat? Oh, I definitely think so. Um, it's, it's, we're starting to mesh really well as a team. Uh, and I think that that goes a long way. Liking your teammates is, is half the battle in some seasons. And I think our lineup's definitely good enough to, to beat a lot of teams. And our uh, starters and bullpen definitely have uh, good enough stuff to win a lot of ball games. So I think we're meshing well. And I think the, the future's looking bright for us this season. And as I let you go, there's been a lot of films made in Hollywood about baseball. Have you got a favourite one, Jordan, a favourite baseball flick that sometimes when you're at home you think, I wouldn't mind being entertained and you maybe put it on? Is there one that really resonates with you? Can I tell you, I liked A League of Your Own with Tom Hanks when they had the women's baseball takeover when the men, of course, went to war during the Second World War and the Americans wanted baseball to be played and they had the women's league and Tom Hanks featured in that movie. I thought it was outstanding. Have you got a favourite? Because they've made plenty. Um, uh, There's definitely plenty out there. I think, uh, man, that's, that's a tough choice. I'd probably have to say probably Bull Durham. Yeah, I thought you might say it. Outstanding. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bull Bull Durham's a good one. I'd probably have to go with that. Good stuff. And, Jordan, as we let you go, you've been in Perth only for a short while now. Uh, Is there anything – what's been your favourite spot that you've seen so far here in Perth? Is it Scarborough Beach? Is it Kings Park? Have you been to Rottnest Island yet? What's something that you thought, wow, this is cool? Oh, I mean, I can't complain about any of the beaches, really. Uh, I have, I do like to go to Trig Beach. That seems to be uh, mm-hmm. some of the nicest sand and pretty clear water. That one's been a good one. I have visited Scarborough a little bit, a little bit of nightlife there. Uh, so probably <laughs> one of those two places so far in Perth specifically. So. Good stuff. Well, there's no beach close to Empire Ballpark there in Thornley, but what we can guarantee is a, a great uh, night's entertainment and day's entertainment, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Jordan, thanks for joining us on the program. Welcome to Perth, uh, belatedly welcome to Perth, and good luck with the season. We look for, forward to seeing you firing them down from the mound this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Good on you. Jordan Martinson joining us. A hell of a pitcher. He's been in exceptional form for the Perth Heat. As we mentioned, a total of five Major League Baseball players this weekend. The Perth Heat house three, Auckland house two. The Heat have started well. They're top of their division. And by the way, games Friday night. Uh, there's a doubleheader on Saturday and Sunday. And a family pass will only set you back $45. So head down there. It's going to be a fairly... Pleasant weekend. I think uh, Friday and Saturday, the maximum's around about 28, high 20s, and even Sunday, it's going to be uh, a picture-perfect weekend. So get down and support our very own Perth Heat. We'll take a break, uh, come back in a moment. Uh, tomorrow night, by the way, the Perth Wildcats are in action. And have you seen them so far this season? 
Have you? Well, if you haven't, a chance for you to uh, maybe grab a ticket. Uh, we support the Wildcats, and so do you. Get behind the Perth Wildcats this season. All you need to do is go to tickertech.com.au. Wednesday's wine is coming up next, plus all the latest happenings in sport. You're with Peter Vlahos. This is Sports Day. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Yeah, great to have your company. Uh, you're with Peter Vlaas here on Sports Day. It's cooled off a bit, actually. 25 degrees only tomorrow after what's been uh, two lovely days warm wise. A first day of summer tomorrow. Uh, DM Breaker bring you Wednesday's wine. And imagine the best. That's DM Breaker, the world's best rock breakers. Now, there's been a lot of talk about the Saudi money. When Live Golf was launched, everybody was critical that it was dirty money coming to Greg Norman and, of course, all the professional golfers like Dustin Johnson and others that signed for Live Golf. And then we had, as we know, a very own Cameron Smith who signed a deal, I think, about $140 million signing on fee with Live Golf. But since then, since then, we've had Nick Kyrgios, who decided not to play Davis Cup for Australia and decided to go and play in a tournament in Saudi Arabia, okay? And there wasn't any sort of criticism about the dirty money going to... Nick Kyrgios, uh, he went up there because he thought from a professional point of view, it would enhance his financial well-being, even though he's got plenty. As uh, we know, uh, international sports people uh, through managers and contacts are always in demand and they go where the offer is the best. Now, there's news now that Cristiano Ronaldo is said to become the highest paid sports person of all time. Because there are reports coming through that he's about to transfer to a Saudi Arabian side, Al Nazar. Now, he's a free agent after leaving Manchester United last week. And reportedly, he's agreed to a two and a half year deal worth, grab this, $308 million a year. Not total, a year. $308 million a year with the club. Yeah, I'll say it again. $308 million for one year, for 12 months, for 365 days a year. Uh, he received, and it's, it's also been revealed, he turned down an incredible $5.3 million a week to play with another Saudi club. So where's this money coming from? Uh, as I said, there's been huge attacks on Live Golf, yet when you look at sporting money, probably in South Africa, it maybe gets funneled from similar organisations, similar corporations, similar people that are uh, very much wealthy in that Gulf nation. I'm just wondering if they're going to be attacking Cristiano Ronaldo. They'll probably attack him because uh, it's just insane the money that he's going to get. And then you had Nick Kyrgios, who also played in Saudi Arabia. But when the Live Golf was launched, oh boy, oh boy, wasn't Greg Norman a dirty, dirty man for taking the money as the chief executive of Live Golf. And Rory McIlroy, and here, have a listen to Tiger Woods. They still feel that Greg Norman should be shown the exit door from Live Golf. Do you think these organizations can coexist? Right now, as, as, as it is, not right now, not with their, their leadership, not with Greg there and his um, animosity towards the tour itself. 
Um, I don't see that happening. Um, as Rory said, and I, I said it as well, I think Greg's got to leave. And then we can eventually, hopefully, have a stay between the two lawsuits and figure something out. But why, why would you change anything if you got a lawsuit against you? Now, they sued us first. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? That's Tiger Woods, who, like Rory McIlroy, certainly uh, uh, are anti-Greg Norman and feel that he needs to go. But as I said, there's no, there is no talk regarding other sporting individuals uh, possibly taking money from Saudi Arabia. Just repeating that news, that looks like Cristiano Ronaldo, who is now a free agent, is about to sign a deal worth $308 million Australian a year with the Saudi football club. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, give us your thoughts on it all and how it's all been handled. Get on the uh, Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. The Wednesday Wine brought to you by DM Breaker. A manager... A manage, take it again. He manage... Imagine, that's it, imagine, as in the album with John Lennon. Got it out finally. Gee, I've been doing a lot of talking lately, calling the World Cup every night. I tell you what, I've got a sore jaw. Uh, yes, the best is DM Breaker, distributors of the world's best rock breakers, dmbreaker.com.au. Speaking of the Soccer World Cup, it's on again tonight. Uh, 11 o'clock tonight is the, the big one for Australia. And as we've mentioned, the matches will be played concurrently. Australia take on Denmark. And at the same time, Tunisia will take on France. And then we've got Group C. So if Australia get through and finish second, they will play the winner, the uh, side or nation that tops Group C. And that involves Poland against Argentina, Saudi Arabia against Mexico, and it is very, very open in Group C. But first, Australia needs to do what they need to do and, of course, uh, win or at least get a draw tonight against the Danes. Graham Arnold, uh, the Socceroos manager, knows it is a big moment for Australian football this match tonight. This is what he had to say. If there's probably something that's been proven right is that uh, there's one football team, sporting team, that unites a nation, and it's the Socceroos. And uh, when you look at uh, the celebrations in Federation Square down in Melbourne and you look at, you know, I had a few mates send videos through of, you know, <clears throat> how crazy the place is going. It's, it just shows you how that football is alive and well in Australia. And uh, again, it's, it's about uh, getting our performance right. It's about making sure that we're ready to go. And once again, you know, putting smiles on Australian faces once is not enough. Let's do it uh, some more times. Today is the 29th of November. At the same this day in 1997, you played the last match with Socceroos against Iran. And you have a tears at that day. So how we can make these tears, you can make these tears as a, turn, as a turning point for tomorrow match and we can celebrate together. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for ruining my day. <laughs> <coughs> That's probably one of the, that was probably one of the worst moments of my football life. And thank you. <laughs> well, we play on the 30th. So the 29th is uh, a training day and just make sure the boys are happy and get them ready. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I had the pleasure, as I mentioned, with Dave Davudovic to actually be there at the MCG uh, calling that match between Australia and Iran. Uh, they hadn't played in a World Cup since 1974. I actually was in the broadcast box with George Grilicic and Johnny Warren, actually, uh, for that match. 
and Johnny was just so excited that late Johnny Warren when Australia were up 2-0 at halftime and of course in the end uh, the uh, Iranians came back 2-all draw and we missed out on the away goals rule which was just so heartbreaking and that was uh, in 1998 World Cup uh, eight years later we finally got there in 2006 thanks Lee thanks Jimmy I'll be back again after the test match uh, second day's play tomorrow night Australia by the way two for 292 at stumps against the West Indies traveling beautifully Manus Labashain has hit an unbeaten half century and he will resume tomorrow have a great night everyone I'll catch you for the soccer tonight from 10 30.